0: You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. So today we are... Um, basically addressing um, our work. We're addressing our work. So I'm going to give you a more formal title as we go on. But we talked about, um, let's see, we just got done talking about before we got disconnected, we were in Acts 2 and 14 and Acts 2 and 36. And we were talking about Peter who walked with Jesus in the natural. And we were talking about how Peter was able to minister to people about repentance. He was able to bring them to a place of repentance. He was able to talk to them about his walk with Christ and his actual experience with. Okay, let me continue. So um, then we talked about, we talked about Paul and we went to Acts 20 and 17 and we talked Thank you, honey. And we talked about how Paul, he knew God by revelation. And we talked about how Paul basically called the church. He explained to the leaders. And that's important that I say that here in Acts 20 and 17 and 20, he was talking to Paul was talking to the leaders. He was talking to the leadership and he was reminding them of the example that he said when he was serving the Lord humility of mind, with many tears and temptation, and he kept nothing back that was profitable. So he told them everything that they needed to know to be able to minister to the people of God. And then he told them, I didn't spare anyone. I talked to the Jews as well as the Greek. Thank you, mom. I talked to the Jews as well as as the Greek, and I told them, I brought them to a place of repentance toward God. I brought them to a place of faith toward God. God. So he's being very clear in his instruction to the leader. Not only am I reminding you of the words that I used to tell the men and women of God about God so that they could walk in the grace that God died so that they might have it, he said, Not only did I do it, this is how I did it. I did it in humility. You saw my suffering because you saw my tears. You saw my suffering because you saw my temptations. Again, we're talking about Peter. He did it in the natural. We're talking, walked with God in the natural. Paul, in the spirit. He had a revelation of Christ. And so now, okay, so we got that set, right? So we talked about Peter and we talked about Paul. Now we're going to get to our main text. I want you to go to the book of Revelations. I want you to go to the book of Revelations. To the book of Revelations, go to chapter two. Chapter two in the book of Revelations. And remember now where our conversation tonight along the is along the lines of our work, we must be about our father's business. But to understand, if we are actually about our father's business, it is time that we examine our Works. See, because I said it earlier and I'll say it again. Some of us, Christ is telling me, we're getting lazy. It's been a rough four years and we are getting lazy. We are relaxing in our homes and there is still a war going on, there is still a battle. To be one. Now, I want to point something out to you here in this book of Revelations, right? And I want you to all keep that context in the back of your mind of Peter, of Peter who could speak to his relationship with Christ. And speak to repentance and what Christ requires. And he learned it in the natural. And I want you to keep in mind how Paul related and Paul knew Christ in the spirit, right? Which is how most of us know Christ today in the spirit, okay? So now when we talk about the book of Revelation, I just want to give you just a wee bit of background before we continue. This this uh, book of Revelations, um, the first chapter is is really about Jesus Christ. Verses one in chapter one verses five through eight, you see like a description. Of Christ. It gives us a description of what Christ has done for us and what He will do. And it gives a, it tells us things like verse 5 in chapter 1. It tells us He's a faithful witness. It tells us He's the first begotten. It tells us He's the Prince of the Kings of the earth. It tells us that He loved us. It tells us that he has washed us from our sins with his own blood. It tells us that he made us kings and priests. It tells us that when he comes back, he's coming in the clouds and every I will see us. Verse 8 tells us that he's Alpha and Omega. He is, and he was, and he is the same one that is to come. He is the Almighty. So we have that description of who Christ is. And then as you go down to verse 12 in chapter 1, and I'm just giving you a summary here, it paints a picture of Christ and his majesty. It tells us that he's clothed with a garment down to his foot and gird about the paps with a golden griddle. And then it tells us girdle. And then it tells us in verse 14 that his head and his hairs are white like wool. Like it's starting to paint a picture for us of Christ. He's as white as snow. His eyes are like flames of fire. His feet are like brass you know it's the it's it's all about that first chapter it's all about telling us who Christ is and I really you're going to see as we go in revelations that a lot of what he's writing to the churches he's referring right back to chapter one right back to that description You know, of who he is right back to um, right back to that picture that was painted of him in verses 12 through uh, 18 and revelations one. So we want to go now. We're going to we're going to chapter two in revelations. And I just want to point something out to you here, because remember now we're talking about examining our works, examining our works see because right now we're to a point where we're thinking God is telling me we're thinking that we are of the faith and the truth of the matter is some of us are not so we must examine our works and Ephesus in um Revelations chapter 2 and it's this 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 is the letter to the church of Ephesus I'm gonna slow down a little bit chapter 2 Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand and who walketh in the midst of the seven golden stars candlesticks and verse uh chapter 1 and 20 tells us the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden golden candlesticks the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou saw are the seven churches they're the seven churches verse 2 I know thy works I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars i'm reading the bible on my screen here i know thy works i know thy labor i know thy patience i know How thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Now, what I want you to notice here is that in verse 2, I know thy works. It starts off with, I know thy works. Listen, go to chapter 9 when he writes to the church at Smyrna. He begins with, I know thy works. I know thy works. Go to verse 13. I know thy works. Go to verse 19 when he's talking to the church at Thyatira. I know thy works. I know thy works. See, this is a, um, and then how about the church in Sardis in verse chapter 3 and in verse, I got got scribbled over and I can't see the verse. I guess it's verse 2. I know thy works right? I know thy works. When he's talking to the church in Laodicea in chapter three and verse 14, I know thy works. I know thy works. See, what I'm pointing out here is that our works are important. And if they're important enough that that's the first thing that is mentioned in every letter, then that means that we must take a moment and examine our works. Because guess what? God is examine your works because Christ is examining your works and then it says in verse 2 I'm in chapter 2 and verse 2 thy labor Again, another form of work. What are we putting our time into? Our patience. And I I liken that as to when he talks about your works, your labor, and your patience, that your patience, when you put that in the sentence with work and labor, it represents your diligence, your diligence in doing what you're doing. So I'm going to sidebar here for a minute just to give you an example. I have... I have um, this need to be about my father's business. In order to meet that need, just this is just me I'm talking about. In order to meet that need, I have a calendar. I have a written calendar that's in front of me, right? And then I have a calendar that's posted on the wall in my office, right? And then next to that, I have a, um, I have a whiteboard that's posted. that's hung up on the wall in my office. And what I like to do is divide my work. I like to be clear about what I'm doing and everything that I'm doing, it has to ultimately lead me back to the work of Christ. See, because the work of Christ, we understand it's so what God has entrusted us with. It's not the kind of thing that can be done overnight. It can't be done in five minutes. It's done in order to do it in excellence. We do it in pieces. And those pieces make up a whole. So I tend to divide my work up by day, whether it's my schoolwork, my education, which is ultimately leading to something I am producing in Christ. I I divide my schoolwork up and that's on the board. I know each week's assignment and I do it little by little every day. I have it broken out. This week, this day, I'm gonna do this part of this assignment for this class. The next day, I'm gonna do this part of this assignment for this other class. By the end of the week, I have an assignment completed and it's done in excellence because I broke it down piece by piece. It's something that I contribute to Christ. When I'm doing the work of the ministry, it's divided. It has rack, and then it has all the tasks that I do, and I check them off as I do them, and I add to it as I do it. Everything, I am meticulous. Why? Because it is important to me that everything goes back. When When you trace it back, it has to add up to something that's on the list of Christ, that's in the plan of Christ for my life that he shared with me, right? Because I want to make sure I'm about my father's business. Every conversation has to lead me to a better understanding of my being about my father's business. Most of us today, can we honestly say that what we do in the course of our day, If you examine your works, do they lead, can they? Can I draw a line from that task all the way back to a task that God has in his plan for you that he has shared with you? Can I trace it back? See, most of us are not that meticulous about our time because we don't understand that our time is a gift from God to do his will our time is a gift from God to do his will put that in the chat our time is a gift from God to do his will one day we're going to get the understanding that it is not about us it has nothing to do with us. It is about, once you get that understanding, it becomes about someone else. Someone else. Listen, even the meals you eat should lead to you, should lead to you taking care of yourself, taking care of yourself to do the will of Christ. I'm not saying you can't have some ice cream every now and then. I'm not saying you can't. is in moderation. But it should always lead us back to the will of Christ. What can we honestly say? Can we honestly say that our work, our work that we do today, for Christ, that we do throughout our day is for Christ? Is for Christ. Or are we wasting his time? Are, or are we wasting his time? See, because you're going to find out as we go on into this scripture that when, we, when our time, when our mind is not consumed with performing the will of Christ, little things start to creep in and they start to sway our time in another direction and once our time is swayed in an opposing direction we are now standing in opposition to the will of Christ. We are now standing in opposition to his purpose and to his plan for our lives. We are indeed saying we don't want that. We are indeed saying we choose this instead and see Christ is never going to force our choice he wants us to choose him willingly so he's never going to cross our choice it is up to us to on purpose choose to be about our father's business to work the will of him who sent us that is our job that again is our job verse 3 says and has borne." and has patience. And for my name's sake, thou hast labored and has not fainted. So we're laboring. We're doing something every day, all day. But is it what Christ would have us to do right now? Is it what Christ would have us to do in this moment? We're birthing a lot of things and we're doing it ever so carefully. We're ever so patient. But is that what Christ is calling for? Nevertheless, it says in verse four, I have somewhat against thee because thou has left thy first love is the work. That we're doing is the labor that we're doing is the patience that we are applying is the things that we are birthing in those patients. Are they associated with our first love? Are we doing what our first love would require of us? It is no different than me Um, me taking care of and doing things for my husband, but I'm not doing the things that he wants. It is no different, again, than the things that I might do for my husband. Okay, so he has a hot meal every day, but what I'm making, he doesn't even like that. I like salmon and spinach. He doesn't like salmon, but I'm going to prepare it I mean, I put all the spices and seasonings in there just so. My ruler, you know I know. Put all the spices and the fresh herbs up in there, and I got the spinach in there. Dad, you know I got that spinach just right. Got the healthy brown rice, the whole grain brown rice, and I got the portions just right, and I lay it out in front of him in a nice plate, and I got the settings all nice. I got the fork, the table is set. I mean, it's set in excellence just right. I have the water with lemon and ice I mean I have it in a nice glass this time everything's just laid out just nice and, and and he can sit down at the table and dine however he doesn't like lemon in his water he doesn't even like water he doesn't like salmon he doesn't even want salmon but I took time all day and I grilled that salmon. I marinated that salmon in the herbs. I took time. I chopped up that spinach, and I marinated it in the olive oil. And I sauteed the garlic in there. And I did all of this. I made the garlic olive oil that I poured and seasoned the spinach with. Put a little, uh, put a little uh, sea salt in there. Had it laid out just right squoze the lemon in the water, no seeds, no, no, no flesh in the water, made it just right for him. But he doesn't even want that. Did we ever take the time to find out what God wants from us? Do we ever take the time to find out what God likes? What does he prefer? See, it's good that we put all our effort and all our energy into all of our conferences and into writing all of our books leaders i'm talking to you and into all of our all, all of our our huge leadership conferences and we're putting so much effort in and we're getting just the right people on the programs we're getting just the right people to come for the revivals we're getting just the right setting we we have the church set up just right we got the right musicians but is that what god wants Is that what God is calling for? We have a whole leadership conference and we dare not even mention the cuss word repentance. We dare not um, mention returning back to our first love, which is Jesus Christ. Turning, Turning back to our first love and asking him what he wants of us. Asking him what he expects out of us. Asking him what can we do to make him happy. Asking him how can we serve him today. Do we even ask God what he'd like from us? Do we even ask God, okay, so he wants me to do A, A, does he want me to do A now? Or is there something I need to learn so that when I do A, A is done in perfection. A is done in, 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 the, in the perfect will of God. A is done meticulously as God would have it done. A is done according to his plan. Do we even ask him? See, because when we don't, when we don't ask God what he would have of us and when he would like it from us and what must we do to do this thing in the spirit of excellence that is God, when we don't ask him, when we don't ask him, we have indeed left our first love. Because guess what happens? We step in there. We step in there. And it becomes what we want. We step in there. God said, go and do A. By the time he's finished the sentence, and I'm very guilty. I've done this. I used to do this when I was younger. By the time before God could put the period at the end of the sentence, I done ran off. I didn't even wait to hear the when. I didn't wait to hear the instruction of what I had to learn to be able to do what he told me to do and the excellence that he wants me to do it in. I didn't wait on the words that he wants me to use to do what he wants me to do, to say what he wants me to say, how he wants me to say it. I didn't wait on any of that. I just ran off. I just ran off. And then what happens is we yield something that is not pleasing to Christ. And we, we get confused. We get, we get befaffled. Cause we get, we're like, what happened? I'm positive that God told me to do A, B, C, and D. Why wasn't it successful? Why didn't it turn out the way God wanted it to turn out or the way I feel like God wanted it to turn out? Because we did not stand still long enough to get the when, the where, and the how. We didn't stand still. We just ran off. We just ran off. We didn't even wait for the full picture to matriculate. We didn't even wait for the full understanding to come before we run out and do it in our flesh. And then we have left. We left our first love behind. We left what our first love desired behind. We didn't even ask him. We left how he wanted things done behind. And in its place, we put what we wanted. In his place, we did it the way we thought it should be done. Without asking him any questions. In verse 4, it says, "He, I hold this against you. I got this against you. Because you keep leaving your first love. So I want you to, in verse 5, remember from where you have fallen. So he's really telling us we can labor. We can work with patience. And he told the church of Ephesus, you recognize evil for what it is. You call it out. You recognize the false apostles. You recognize the false prophets. You You recognize the false pastors, teachers, and evangelists. You can call all of that out. You can call the enemy out from afar. You can do all of that. But you can't love me. You can't love me. Because every time I try to have a conversation about you, about with you, about what I would have for you to do. So every time I try to have a conversation with you, about you, you take off. And start doing things in your own flesh and you're never successful but you're too prideful and too arrogant to come back to me and say where did i go wrong so that i can show you how you left me how you left me how you left your seat How you left me before I could fully instruct you. How you left me before I could give you the wisdom of the matter. How you left me before I could teach you how to do it right. You left me before I could give you my words that I wanted you to use. The life, the life-changing words. So all you gave was your words and nothing changed and nothing moved and no one repented. Whereas if you would have waited for my instruction, if you would have waited for my wisdom, if you would have waited, if you would have just listened, if you would have stayed with me, your first love, then I could have helped you, I could have taught you. I could have instructed you. I could have, I could have, I could have bought, I could have bought the men and women of God to repentance. But we're running off without God and we're doing things in the flesh. And yes, we can work, we can labor, we can have patience. We can recognize evil, but we still have left our first love. And what God is calling for, verse 5 says it, repent. Repent and do the first works. Repent. Turn around, come back. Repent. And for a lot of us, the word repent is a curse word. We do not like that word and God gives us the privilege of coming to him and repenting directly one-on-one conversation with him I'm sorry I ran I moved too fast okay let me back up I'm gonna sit right here and let you explain to me the full picture let you explain to me what it is you would have me to do how you would like me to do it what I must learn to do it as you would have me to do it who I must learn it from to do it as you would have me to do it. To say it as you would have me to say it. To use your words because your words, God, don't come back void. There is no way I can fail because your words don't come back void. Whatever you tell me to do, it will be accomplished if I operate in it as you would like me to operate in it. So repent, verse 5 says us tells us, repent and do the first words. And I will come to thee quickly. He even promises you, I'll come back to you quickly. After all, I never left. I'll come back to you quickly. After all, I've been sitting right here the whole time. I never left. I've been right here. I will come to you quickly. And he said, now, if you don't want to repent, I'm going to come to you quickly, but I'm coming another way. I'm coming to remove my candlestick. I'm going to remove your candlestick. That's what I'm going to come and do if you don't repent. Because guess what? If you're doing whatever you're doing, and it's not out of the direction of Christ, out of the love of Christ, out of the instruction of Christ, then guess what? Christ can't use you. You again have just disqualified yourself from being used of Christ because you can't hear. You can't hear. You can't hear anyone but yourself. Soon as Christ gives you instruction, there was nothing wrong with what he told you to do. What was wrong is that you ran off before he actually got to give you his full plan. You ran off. And once you run away and you, and you, even though you're right, you did initially. Like, remember I said, I prepared my husband's meal. Exact. I mean, it was tasty. You prepared preparing it. Exactly. But that wasn't what he wanted. So you're re- You're preparing what God told you to prepare, but you didn't sit to wait for his instruction. You didn't sit to wait for his direction. You didn't sit to wait for his wisdom. Now, verse six says, but this thou hast, thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. The Nicolaitans. I'm looking at the word, trying to see if I'm pronouncing it right, which I also hate. And then he says, uh, he says, now let me let me just pause right here because I want to I want to be clear. When I talked about the fact that you can see the enemy from afar off, what he's saying is you did good because you hated the work of the enemy. But now here you're going to see the twist. You're going to see where it looks like he's telling them, but you've become it you've become it and you didn't even know that you become it see because he said you hated their deeds the Nicolaitans. you hated their deeds but in a sense you've kind of somewhat become it now let me tell you a little bit about the Nicol. let me see nicolaitans 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 i say it like that um this is these were um supposedly followers of nicholas Of Antioch. And this is a proselyte who was among the seven men who was chosen to serve in the Jewish congregation. And he had forsaken the doctrine of Christ. This group, they lived in indulgence to what they ate, to how they lived. They were unclean. They were basically unclean. They were associated with the teaching of Balaam. they um see let me tell you what the name means first okay so Nican, Nikan N I K A N this meant to conquer, Laos, Laos it meant people so Nicolations, this word Nikan Laos it meant to conquer people and the reason why these people were associated with Balaam is because in Balaam the word Bella meant to conquer and ham meant people so they were associated with this because the names basically meant the same thing it meant the same thing in greek and in hebrew it meant the same thing so what they were known to do was to influence people and to bring them into a bondage of heresy see they made them believe that the flesh was was not of god so you could do whatever you wanted to do because your spirit man was of God. So you had the grace and you had the forgiveness. And since God was a spirit and your, your spirit man, as long as your spirit man obeyed God, then you had that grace. Don't worry about what your flesh is doing. Your flesh can overindulge, your flesh can overeat, your flesh can overdrink, your flesh can commit fornication and adultery. Your flesh can do all these things, but long as your spirit stayed pure. So they made it seem as if it was okay as long as you, uh, as long as your spirit was pure. Not understanding that a little leavened a whole lump so the flesh could indeed Filthy the spirit because it was in your heart and in your mind that you served God in the sins of the flesh. They infiltrate the heart and the mind so that one cannot fully serve Christ. So you have to understand in this time to be a Christian, you had to abstain from idols and you had to abstain from fornication. That was one of the two prerequisites. And those were not prerequisites that the Nicolaitans meant because they were about doing physically whatever it was they wanted to do and so what Christ is saying is what this scripture is saying is although although you know what to hate what you don't understand is when you walk away from me you give way to what you hate you make room for what you hate to enter in and have place in your life as 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 the scripture is saying here when you're talking about when he's talking about going through when he's talking about you leaving your first love you have to remember if you walk away from christ if you move away from christ where are you now operating you are now operating in the flesh and if you are now operating in the flesh then that means you are now not operating in christ So where are we? Where are we today when we think about our works? So think about your works in that context. When you are not doing the work of Christ, what are you doing the work of? Are we doing the work of our flesh? I submit to you that we are because we get carried away. There's nothing wrong with getting excited about what Christ has called us to do there's nothing wrong with being about your father's business but we have to make sure that we don't move away from the love our first love is christ our first love should always be christ that means our activity should always be of christ so our first love is going to be of christ and when we move away When we move away from Christ, no matter how you cut it, we are now operating in the flesh. We are now operating in adultery. It's about what we want. It's about how we want this thing to work. It's about how we want to produce this. It's about how we think it should look. We've moved away from Christ. It has no other. It's either Christ or the enemy. And repentance is necessary and return. Repentance is turning around. Repentance is turning back to turn back to your first love in verse seven says he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit is saying unto the churches to him that overcometh will i give to eat of the tree of life in the midst of the paradise of god he that hath an ear He that hath an ear, right there, he that hath an ear is that means there, the perceiving with the mind, perceiving with the mind. It's the faculty of understanding. So he that has the ability to understand is what that scripture is saying. And then it says, let him hear. And here is to perceive, to get by learning, to get by learning. So he that is able to perceive with the mind and that's able to understand, then let him hear is let him learn. Let him learn. Let him learn what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. Let him learn. Let him learn. Do you not know that learning takes time? Do you know that learning requires attention? Do you not know that learning takes a deliberate effort? There is no other way to learn. There is no other way to comprehend. There is no other way to understand unless we sit still and intentionally, intentionally do it. Intentionally do it. Just like intentionally. Sitting at his feet and loving him and making sure that our time and the work that we do, I'm coming back full circle, making sure that the work we do aligns with the work that Christ would have us to do. Do you understand what I am saying to you? Examine your works. Examine your Works. I'm coming to a close of this lesson, but this lesson was called Examine Your Works. And for the cutoffs, I'll try and tape it back together when I edit. But we were in Acts and 20, and then we were in Revelations in 2. And we understand that works is important to Christ, so it should be important to us. Therefore, we must examine our works to make sure that our works are are about our Father's business and not about our own. It is not about us. It is about Christ. It's always going to be about Christ and it's always going to be about others. And the minute that we enter into the scenario, we corrupt the works. The minute that we enter into the scenario, the minute that I enter into the scenario, I corrupt the works. Do we understand that the minute... Put that in the chat. The minute that I enter into the works, the works is corrupted. The minute that I enter into the works, the works is now corrupted. The works are only about what God requires of us. But to understand the plan that Christ has for us, we must be willing to ask him. So return to your first love return to christ and ask him return to christ and ask him father god what would you have me to do what would you have my hands to work what would you have me to do with the plan that you've given me what should my understanding be let's ask god the questions Take the time and ask God what he expects of you. How you should do what he's asking you to do. Because we don't want I to enter into the work. We don't want I, me to enter into the work. We must be about our father's business. We must be about our father's business. Come on, I want to see you type it in the chat. I must, I must be about my father's business. Let's pray. God, we kneel humbly before you and we repent today. We repent from moving away from you, our first love. We repent from moving away. From moving away from what you required of us we repent for not even taking the time to understand to learn how to do your will in excellence how to do your will and carry out your word God cleanse us from filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit perfect holiness in us because we want to walk worthy of the vocation wherein we are called. We don't want to walk in our own vacation. We don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. We don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh, but God, we want to walk in purity. We want to walk in purity and we choose to draw nigh unto you. God, draw nigh unto us as you have promised God. Draw nigh unto us as you have promised God and do your perfect will in us again. Again, O oh God, we sit patiently at your feet to learn of the plan that you have for our lives. We sit patiently at your feet to have the knowledge for you to give us the knowledge and the understanding of what you would have us to do, the way you would have us to do it, how you would have us to do it, the words you'd have us to do it in. God, cleanse our tongues, the filthiness of our tongue. Cleanse us, oh God. Cause us, oh God, to walk in purpose, on purpose. We want to walk in purpose, on purpose, oh God. Oh God, do it in us do it in us again cleanse us god our blood cleanse us with your blood again god again god we kneel humbly before you we repent god we repent god from walking away from you we repent oh god from for leaning to our own understanding oh god we repent oh god oh god and we need you We need you, and we cry out to you, oh, God. We cry out to you, oh, God. Oh, God, we need you. We need you, God. We need you, God. We need you, oh, God. I need you, oh, God. Use us, God, for your glory. Use us, oh, God, for your purpose, oh, God. We thank you. We thank you, and we give you glory. We give you glory in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Your will be done and your kingdom come in us. Your kingdom come in us. I want you to go back this week and I want you to read Revelations 2. Keep reading it over and over again. And we're going to continue in Revelations on next week because God is seeking such. He's seeking such that will carry out his will in the earth realm. But we have to be willing to carry out his will. We have to be willing to do it his way. It is not going to be our way. No part of us can enter in any longer. God is calling us to him, to be like him, to do it as him in the earth realm. And if we're not going to do it as him, then we will disqualify ourselves from him using us for his purpose. If this podcast has blessed you, go ahead and sow a seed sow a seed. If you receive the word on this day, sow a seed. I'm Marie Elizabeth on PayPal. I'm Marie Elizabeth on Cash App. If this, if this podcast bless you, sow a seed. Don't steal the word of God. Now I will tell you this, take this chapter, chapter two, read it, share it, articulate it in your context, articulate it, share this word. In your context. Don't hold it to yourself. Don't hold it to yourself. Share it with others. Sow it into others. Don't hold it to yourself. Open your mouth and speak what God has ministered and taught you through Revelations chapter 2. What he has taught you through Acts 2 and 20. Minister it to someone else minister it to someone else and then share it and share it on social media and tag me in it. Let this word go forth. Stop being, we as leaders, don't be selfish with God's words. These are God's words. We do not own God's words. We don't have a proprietary, we do not have a, a, what's the word I'm looking for? We do not, um, the legal word, I can't remember right now, when you own copyright. We do not have a copyright on God's words. These are God's words. I'm telling you what God is saying. Now you take it and you tell somebody else in your context what God has said to you about chapter two. We are all ministers of Christ. Leaders, we are all ministers of Christ. This word is God's words. These words are God's words. Take these words and sow it into a life of another. Sow it into the life of another. Sow this word. Say it. I will sow this word into the life of another. I will sow what I learned in my context with another. Share God's words. That's right. Share. These are God's words. This is God's revelation. I'm telling you what God said. Return back to your first love. Return. Turn around. Come back. repent. 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 Everything I say is going to point you back to repent, 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 and then repent some more. Because Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Now, whether or not he comes back for you depends on if you repent, repent, repent. Repent, repent, repent. If you think I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to you. Repent, 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 repent. Repent, 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 repent. That's the message. Amen? Amen. God bless you, and God keep you, and you are in my prayers.